to let you know that you broke the rules of time somehow. What? Uh, because I logged into the computer and the time said 10.32 and I got an email from you inviting me to record remotely at 10.33. Wow. And it was still 10.32. <laughs> you, you have the power to jump forward in time, <laughs> but only by one minute. Mm, I wonder how, I'm sure someone smarter than me could figure out how to actually use that power, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, wh- how how could you possibly use that for, like, good? I, I have no idea. I think we have a good Ask Reddit thread. <laughs> hey, Reddit, if your superpower is you could jump forward or backward by one minute at a time, and I mean, I guess, what would stop you from going, you know, from from going, all right, now I'm back a minute, now I'm back another minute, now I'm back another minute, you know what I mean? Instantaneously. I guess. I, I feel like if or you're... Or now I'm forward a minute. True. I feel like if you are going to like post something on Ask Reddit, it's got to be, what is the best superpower, but to have the superpower, it has to be hindered in the worst possible way. What is your superpower and what is its hindrance? Yeah. So like, I I can, uh, <laughs> like, I have the power of invisibility, but only when I'm turned on. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like, I love, um, oh yeah, the uh, in Mystery Men. Have you ever seen that? I haven't. No. Oh my but, God. Like, it's one of the, it's one of the most <laughs> underrated movies of all time. The thing about Mystery Men is like, I wanted to see it, it and evolution so bad whenever I was yeah. younger and they just did such so, like so bad at the box office that they were only in like our local five screen theater for a week maybe <laughs> yeah evolution also like i don't i've only seen that movie once but it was really good i heard that was actually like the script because it's harold ramus and it's actually what i've heard is the script for ghostbusters 3 that he just finally decided to seriously just make Whoa. yeah <laughs> that he just decided to like rework and then you know put it out as as this and when you watch it like that you're like i could kind of see that i don't know if it's i don't know if it's true or not i think you know i think it might just be a rumor but they just changed a few things to to make it obviously not ghostbusters 3 yeah yeah i mean there's there's a few dudes and they have like proton pack like things (laughs) that they're fighting these they're not super you know they're they're more alien than supernatural but that's an easy switch you know yeah yeah you know, it's, it's like when they switched uh, when they made Men in Black, but it made, they made it R.I.P.D. Remember? Oh my God! The, they went the opposite way with that. The rest in peace department. <laughs> oh God, that's that looked awful. I'm not gonna lie. But in oh it would, yeah, it was a total just yeah <laughs> cash grab. Like just yeah, it looked awful. It looked like they really did like a, a search and replace Men in Black and Aliens. They switched out for Ghosts, and like that was it. You know, <laughs> um, in, in the Word document script. But um, in Mystery Men. Kel um, Mitchell, that's his last name, right? Yeah. Keenan and Kel. Yeah. yeah, he's in it, and he's 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 invisible, but only when nobody's looking. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, yeah, he can be invisible. He can turn invisible, but only when no one's looking. <laughs> uh, again, b- both of these movies, both Mystery Man and Evolution, I've still never seen to this day. Yeah. Well, of course, the real gift to humanity that Mystery Men gave us was, I think that's the first time All-Star was used. Yes. I think that's where All-Star is from, the I, soundtrack to Mystery Men. And uh, the, the Mystery Men are also in the music video for it. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I don't know wow. how it gave us that amazing song, and everyone went and wasn't like, well, I got to find, I got to see the movie that this song is from. Yeah, for real. <laughs> you know, I mean, if the song is this good, just imagine, and the movie, I mean, it's William H. Macy, it's friggin' Paul Rubens. And Ben uh, Stiller, ben right? Ben Stiller. Yeah. So Janine like, Garofalo. Th- it should have been, like, great. It, it should be talked about uh, amongst the great, like, comedic movies of the early 2000s. 
Yeah, just, just based on like script and cast, but I, I no one talks about it. Yeah, I know it's it's so unbelievably hilarious that uh, it, and it's so like it, it is truly underrated. You know, a lot of people say a lot of a lot of people throw that word around <laughs> like oh it's underrated like. No, Mystery Man is truly underrated. Yeah, it is like, not, man, is not man well known Lord enough. of the Rings is so underrated. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It, it's yeah. adequately rated. It's it's very good. Uh, by, by the way, Grace and I watched Lord of the Rings for the first time. Wow. Well, I, I, How I did should, you miss those? I, I, I should clarify, she was a huge fan of them. I watched them for the first time with her. Uh, I just wasn't... When does your podcast come out? Oh, good Lord. Uh, maybe we'll make that a side episode. It'll be three minutes long because she hates everything with podcasting. Um, but I don't know. It, it just didn't really uh, appeal to me whenever I was younger. I, I wasn't uh, into the idea of like uh, Middle Earth quest mm-hmm. fantasy movies. Um, yeah. But I, I, I watched them. I, I watched all three of them. And uh, we actually watched uh, the first Hobbit as well. And uh, incredible. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, what, what else What else do you want me to say? They're, they're great. I know. I know. <laughs> that reminds me of when I saw Jaws. I think I've mentioned this before. I saw Jaws for the first time. They showed it. On, they were showing classic movies on the big screen uh-huh. at this theater in town. And, and every week they show a different one. I, saw, I was like, I've never seen Jaws. People seem to like it. I'll go check it out. And Jaws is really good. And I kept telling people that. And they were like, yeah. we know. Everyone's known that for 40 years. Like, oh, well, um, you know, I just got around to it. So I, I was kind of shocked, too, because, you know, you're, you are kind of shocked when an old movie, especially one from like, you know, it, for me, like the 70s or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, well, yeah. this isn't going to be good. But then it's good, you know. But, but then it, it just holds up very well. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, wow, well, this is a good movie. And so like, I felt like that's what I was telling. Like, Jaws is really good. People are like, yes. Like, guys, yes, it is. You're, ne- you're never going to guess what movie is incredible. I watched it on Criterion this weekend. Casablanca. Like, uh, yeah. Y- yeah. Tim. Like, it, it's regarded as, like, one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. But, like, it's it's actually really good. <laughs> Honestly, I would, I've never seen Casablanca. So if somebody told neither me that, I, I neither would be- have I. <laughs> yeah, I would be shocked. I'd be like, no, nah, I still don't believe you. I'm still not going to watch it. <laughs> Even Citizen Kane, I wasn't that impressed with. You know, I, I should probably give that another watch because when I saw that, I saw that for like a film class or something. That's oh, the really? only reason I had to be forced to watch it. You know, and I was like, well, I don't know. This is, this is all right, I guess. I yeah. wasn't really into it. But uh, I saw a lot of movies like that early. I wanted to be like, we talked about this kind of where, like with the Truman Capote, just bring it back to Seinfeld really quick. <laughs> um, when they're like, oh, yeah, Truman Capote, great writer. Have you ever read anything by him? Uh, no, no, me neither. Me neither. Um, but it's, you know, so I watched a bunch of movies that I felt like would give me a good film education, but I didn't, I wasn't smart enough to get them at that point, you know? So mm-hmm. like in high school and college, early college, I was watching these and I was like, uh, Brazil. Have you ever heard of Brazil? You know that one? No. Okay. It was just a real artsy movie. And, and I, I still probably don't get it to this day, but movies like that. And I tried to get into, I mean, controversy noted Woody Allen. Uh, and, and things like that. I got to admit, it's not tough to get Woody Allen, you know, because it's more comedic than than artsy. But still, you know, mo- movies like that. Taxi Driver, maybe another one that I'm like that I should probably rewatch just because I have lived in. We live in a society, and I've lived in that society longer now. You know what I mean? <laughs> <sighs> ready to get started? Yeah, let's get started. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Hugging No Learning. It's a show about one thing: watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the Mom and Pop Store Season 6, Episode 8. But before that, we do have some homework and some extra credit stuff from the past couple of weeks, including there's some stuff I wanted to mention from the gymnast. So go back two episodes. Okay. Because I forgot um, 
this was pretty interesting about the gymnast, which is episode six of, of this season. Uh, it aired on November 3rd, 1994, which we knew, but it was during a special Blackout Thursday night on NBC where all the shows in the must-see TV lineup featured a fictional New York City blackout. What? Except Seinfeld. Except Seinfeld was like, <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and so I think was, I remember this, like, Mad About You, I think, was on during the same, and the Friends episode where Chandler gets stuck in the ATM vestibule with that supermodel or something. Okay. Um, that's that New York City blackout episode. So all the shows that <laughs> night had that running storyline through them because they all took place in New York, And um, except Seinfeld was like, we're not going to play. No, sorry. <laughs> Why? We're not going to do that. What was I don't the know, point? Like, what was the point of what? Of, like, Blackout Thursday. I'm like, so? Just a stunt. Just okay. something for fall sweeps, you know, probably. <laughs> Just a stunt. Okay. Yeah, it's like all the shows have, the, you know, be, so it would be like watching one two-hour show, I guess, of, you know, these different characters all oh dealing with God. the same thing. <laughs> Except Seinfeld. I, I wonder how they got away with saying, nah. And like, oh, no, we're, everyone's doing it. Like, no, not yeah. us. Yeah, like, yeah but, we're, we're not gonna. But, <laughs> yeah. That's dumb. That's clout. We're, not, we're not gonna. <laughs> yeah, that's just the clout that they had. Probably, <laughs> nah, man. Um, if, if you're yeah, like, if you're if it. you're an NBC executive at that point, and and Jerry and Larry are just like, yeah, we're not gonna do that. Why don't you just take that as a hit? And you're like, yeah, this is kind of a dumb idea, isn't it? <laughs> but I mean, um, I would say, well, you know, guys, Friends is doing it friends i mean all all the friends like well yeah but we're not good for them but we're not, we're not. yeah and, and then they'd be like oh that show that's been on for like a season oh okay yeah they'll, they'll i'm sure they'll do it i'm sure they'll do anything right yeah. now come on paul riser and helen hunt said yes immediately okay mad about you is doing it why are you guys doing it oh, we got this thing about a gymnast uh, it's gonna be funny god <laughs> and I, I mentioned this at, at, uh, near the end of the gymnast and i, I wanted to bring it up because I think I mentioned it for homework and then I forgot it last week, but the Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey Circus, I mentioned how they would walk the elephants through the tunnel, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about that. So they started phasing out the use of elephants in their act, and in 2018, the circus doesn't have any animals, I guess, which I didn't know. Um, but that means in that year, that's when the official annual New York Elephant Walk ended after 30 years. So to get the elephants in the city, the trainers have to walk them into Manhattan in the middle of the night. The circus train's about a mile long, and they can't really bring it into the city and walk the elephants up the escalators from Penn Station. So what they do is they park it over in Long Island City in Queens, take the elephants off, walk them through the Queens Midtown Tunnel underneath the East River along 34th Street to Madison Square Garden. And people would stay up all night long just to just to watch this happen, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah, and I think they had to do that for D.C. as well, but I, I could be wrong about that. Uh, and I think I mentioned that last time. Uh, okay, and one uh, one more thing from the gymnast, and then we'll move on. There isn't too much from uh, the last episode, but um, I found this on. We wanted to know what Misha said in Romania, what Misha and Katya said to each other about Jerry. So I found this um, website, DennisEarl.wordpress.com, <laughs> and this post from 2015, Unsolved Mysteries from Season 6. Hmm. And someone left this comment that says, what Misha first says and unintellig- is unintelligible. Romanian's not an easy language, and if you can't speak it clearly enough, it becomes impossible to understand. You can see he's not an actual Romanian. She, she then says, so whatever Misha says to her, Katya then says, always, Jerry, I think Jerry. Then Misha says, it's true. So even the intelligible parts make no sense. Hmm. It's just chatter. Okay. She talks, she talks better because I guess the actress is actually Romanian. And this commenter says, I'm one myself, so that's how I know what they're saying. 
someone wanted to know, I guess this was another question in the Unsolved Mysteries post, why Kramer has raw audio of the Olympics. They don't necessarily answer that, but where he got the tape. Kramer has, like I said, because he probably taped all of them. He talks a little bit about gymnastics in general, so that's a clue that he is a fan. And that's kind of what you said, Ted, was that you know he, he loves, obviously, all of the pageants, and so he probably has all those on tape. And so that's probably why he has the gymnastics. He probably has like a whole, you know, VHS library in his apartment <laughs> of just random stuff. I still want to know why it was raw audio yeah. and not. It was it, like from it, the NBC satellite feed and not our <laughs> not not the feed that you watch on TV. Yeah, you know? not, not like not the broadcast of the Olympics. Yeah. It, it was it was the commentary less uh, raw <laughs> footage. Yeah, and then this person also wants to mention that Katya and Misha are not Romanian names. No one in Romania is named like that. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. But then they get angry, kind of like, they should have done more research. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> but then they, I don't understand why they didn't just ask a Romanian actress that played Katya. That's a great question. Yeah. Well, hey, what's what, a good Romanian name? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I, I actually looked up something on Blackout Thursday. Uh, oh. you, you remember how I uh, how I had just said that, oh, well, Friends was on for, like, what, a couple of seasons? They'll do anything at this point. But yeah. by the time The Gymnast was airing, Friends had been on for less than two months. Wow. So they literally would have done anything the network asked. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh, well, so Fred, who was the Fred? heritage show at that point? I don't know. What, what shows were... Was Seinfeld. Mad, what, do you see the... Oh, uh, Seinfeld. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess me, you're right. Let me look up the Mad About You premiere date. But, like, for Friends was definitely not the heritage. Like, it definitely didn't have clout. Mad About You, September 23rd, 1992. One day after Friends. Wow. Oh, wait, no, 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 wow, no. Wow, they premiered no. the same year. Wait, no. Oh. September 23rd, 92, so my bad. Uh, two years and one day. So After Friends? Yeah, yeah, no, before oh. before Friends. Oh, before Friends. Yeah, because we're, okay. we're in 94 right now. So Mad About You had been on, been going for a little bit. It, it was, it That's was the couple... only other show I remember from that Thursday night lineup. Yeah, it was, it was a couple of seasons, but definitely like, hey, guys, this sophomore show and this uh, show in its first season are both doing this stunt. Uh, yeah, we're... <laughs> so, okay, and? <laughs> do you have the the other show from the lineup? It's okay if you don't. I I'm do not. Curious. I do not. Oh, okay, that's no big deal. But I, I'd be curious to see what that that third show was that was in between Mad About You and I think Seinfeld was on at nine still at this point. Maybe it was nine thirty though. I don't know. Interesting. Well, let's uh, see. Because it would be it would be okay if it was, if Seinfeld was like the last one of the night because then you'd have three shows that did it and then one that didn't. You know, it wouldn't really stick out as much as like two shows that do, one show that doesn't. Like oh, New York City's fine. All the lights are on, and then all of a sudden they're off again. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to look it up right now. Uh, oh, okay. On November third, on November third, nineteen ninety four, NBC's Thursday night lineup featured the Blackout Thursday programming stunt, in which three of the four sitcoms on that night's must see TV <laughs> schedule incorporated a storyline involving power outage in New York City. The stunt started with Mad About You episode Pandora's Box. Uh, it continued with the Friends episode, the one with the blackout, oh. and ended with. The Madman of the People episode, Birthday in the Big House. The Seinfeld episode that followed Friends and preceded Madman, The Gymnast, did not have a blackout storyline, though was promoted as part of the event. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't remember anything about Madman of the Madman of the People? Madman of the People. Who was in that? <laughs> I know we're like going on a deep dive on it's 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 one season in 1994 so again another yeah. freshman show uh, there was always one they could never they could never get like four amazing shows on that night there was always one yeah. cycling through uh Concetta Tomei, Dabney Coleman, Cynthia oh. Gibb, Amy Aquino, 
Craig Bierko, and John Ailes. Dang, I remember some obscure TV, and I do not remember that. <laughs> oh, boy. You know what? Wow. We're, we're, we're here now. Madman of the People, Wikipedia, <laughs> American sitcom television series created by Chris Kluse and Stu Kreisman, aired on NBC from September 22nd, 94, to, oh, wow, okay, uh, so premiered the same night as Friends. Wow. Uh, aired until June 17th, 95. Stars character actor Dabney Coleman as Jack Madman Buckner, an outspoken newspaper columnist who had written a popular column, Madman of the People, in Your Times Magazine for 30 years. The premise of the show involves Buckner's daughter, Meg, being brought in by the publisher to bring Buckner's column into the 90s. Oh, boy. Like, you, you're so 2000 and late, old man. Although, what, this would be... Uh, you, you're so t- 1980 late, old 1980 man. 1980 late. <laughs> God. Yeah. Okay, where were we at? <laughs> don't remember that. I don't remember that at all. Uh, I guess. Um, I th- I think that's uh, that, that's, that's everything it. for the gymnast. <laughs> Did we have anything for like the episode that we actually had last week? Yes, the soup. Uh, so the walk scene in Central Park. This is just a little fun tidbit. The walk scene in Central Park. The the non date date that Kelly and uh, George go on was filmed at the CBS Radford Lagoon, best known as the set for Gilligan's Island. Huh, really? Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Just a little, just a little backstage uh, water world type set they had back there. And so um, <laughs> there's that. And sequences that were filmed. So there's some deleted scenes from this one. George giving Kramer advice about asking Hildy out. George confronting the manager at Reggie's in an attempt to persuade him to add their favorite meals to the menu. Oh, I'll guess like oh, that that would have been funny, like talking to the guy at Reggie's like, hey, can you just put a big salad and serve egg whites? <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, um, I'd like that. Hildy breaking up with Kramer over his inability to keep her fed and Banya revealing that he asked Kelly out as soon as she gave her notice at Monk's since he wanted to avoid precisely the situation George ended up in in the episode. That would have been funny, too, because George would have been so incensed with Kelly going out with Kenny Banya. God, this this episode sounds like it would have been five minutes longer after these. Oh, if not, yeah, if not more. And then finally, oh wait, I have one, two, so two more things. <laughs> Elaine asks Hildy for decaf. Hildy says we have Sanka. Here's why that was not. Here's why Elaine was just like, forget it. I don't. I don't want anything. Sanka is a brand of instant decaffeinated coffee. Ooh. So it's instant coffee. They don't brew it. Yeah. So they don't have brewed decaf. They have this instant garbage. That's why Elaine uh, bristled at it. And um, one of the earliest decaffeinated varieties of instant coffee. The coffee brand I was thinking of that I always thought had a doctor on the front is Hills Brothers. And oh, they're, okay. Yeah, and the symbol is an Arab drinking coffee called the Taster. And it was designed for the company back in 1906. It always looked like a doctor to me because, you know, his long gownish type garb. Um, he had a turban, which looked to me like what doctors would wear on their heads. Like in, or, okay. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, it's true. I don't know what you'd call it, the hair covering or whatever. And then his white beard always looked like PPE to me. It looked like a mask that was sort of been pulled down so he could drink coffee. And so I always thought that that was um, the, huh. the Hills Brothers taster was a, um, was a doctor. But okay. definitely it is not. Yeah. And then to get from the Upper West Side to Munson Diner in Liberty, New York, is going to take you an hour and 46 minutes. <laughs> to, and, to, to get where uh, what used to be Reggie's is at now? Correct. Oh, correct. my God. Yep. So that's not so bad. No. But it's a long, it's a long trip. But, you know, it's on the <laughs> National Registry of Historic Places if you're trying to check some of those off your list. And <sighs> that's all I got. Okay. Uh, do we have any other news or anything? 
We do have a sad bit of news that we have to mention. Sam Lloyd passed away. Yeah, that's true. Most people know as Ted from Scrubs, but we know him as Creepy Ted from a couple episodes <laughs> of Seinfeld. He's Ricky, did, the designer of the Elaine. That's right. I, I was trying to think. I was like, did he ever, like, uh, up to this point in the show, did he ever, like, have a name? And, and yeah, that's right. It was Ricky. Um, yeah, but I yeah, believe like, his boss calls him that when he tells him that the, the Elaine or whatever, right. you know, he's like gives him the model number and he's like, I call her the Elaine. That's right. Yeah. As as we're recording this, this happened, uh, what, a, a couple of days ago. Um, yeah. But man, as, that's why we're just getting to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's so sad. My God. He was, so, he was what, 56, I think. He was very yeah, young. Yeah. Uh, but I, I didn't know that he had brain cancer. Yeah, me neither. Jeez. I know. I, I, I didn't mean, know I, that he was actually related to Christopher Lloyd. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's like his <laughs> um, his nephew or something like that. Wow. I don't think it's okay. his son, but yeah, it's, it's something like that. Yeah. It makes sense when you think about it. You look at him, you're like, oh, he does look like a Lloyd. You know? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, bummer. I, I, I got to mention it. Yeah, I, I know like the day after uh, I read that, I had... Uh, I, did you ever listen to any of his band, The Blanks? They, they were featured in a couple episodes of Scrubs. No, nothing besides that. Did, oh, I mean, did, did you did you watch Scrubs at all? Oh yeah, of okay. course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, the, the acapella band that that's his real band. It's it's those guys. Uh, awesome. But, like they have a really good cover of Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and especially now you listen to it, it'll make you ball. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need a new version of we need a new version to make people cry because I, I'm sick of the Hawaiian version of that. It's one of my least favorite songs of all time. People love it. Really? And I cannot. I do not. I do not like that version of that song. Wh- it wh- means a lot to a wh- lot of people. Which, which version is, is the Hawaiian version? Um, you know, Brada is the one with the ukulele, and there's like a story like he recorded it in the middle of the night, three a.m. And blah. people love talking about it. You know, somewhere over the rainbow, just the, okay. the big guy with the the ukulele. He's not alive anymore. Okay. Um, you know what I'm talking about? I don't it's know. Played if it I like do, every. Actually. You know. I mean, I'm sure I've heard it. Yeah, I feel bad for not liking it because you know it's used. <laughs> a lot of people do, and they use it in the most in the saddest of of times. Or sometimes, um, I don't know. It might be a good first dance song. People might use it for that. I don't know. You just hear it a lot in sentimental situations, and I'm like, I roll my eyes, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I'm like, oh crap! Did I just roll my eyes at a funeral? <laughs> I mean, hey, I, every the 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 two family funerals I had back in 2018, one being my grandpa. Like my family and I were all like cracking jokes so that we didn't like yeah. try and like cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can help, but no, but no one wants to be the dick like rolling his eyes at a song <laughs> that true. a family member picked that they thought they loved. Like that's not a joke. That's me being a dick. I don't think I've ever. Di- I've never been to a funeral that actually uses that. I don't think, but <laughs> but I know people do. Uh, and that's it. That's all I got as far as newsy stuff. Okay, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. I'm watching these episodes for the first time ever. Tim is watching these episodes for the first time in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss something, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email, send us a tweet, nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com or at nohugging. Tim, did you ever get logged into the email? No. (laughs) I have no idea how I'm ever going to do that. (laughs) I, I mean the the password's the same. Uh, I, I guess yeah. maybe, maybe just wait for the wait wait for Google to let you try it's, and log it's not in the again. Password. It's the double verification. It's like we don't recognize this machine, which is the laptop <laughs> that I've used like since the beginning of time. Like we don't recognize this machine, so we're gonna send a, a code to your phone. I'm like, fine. I got my phone right here. No code ever comes. They're like, try another way. So and, I try to do this. It, like, it doesn't even this. it doesn't even give you like the last four numbers of the the phone number that it's texting it to like no. oh yeah here nope. we're, we're gonna text you a code to like uh six asterisks and then for me it's 
four six nine zero, and I'm like, right. oh, okay, so it's going to be my phone. Nope, <laughs> oh I have God. no idea what phone. And then it said like, well, go get your Galaxy Tab A, and then do this stuff, and I do all that, and I'm like, there's no. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, maybe Ted has to. Well, hey, I'll I'll, I'll tell you what, if uh, if it lets you log in again today, and yeah. it asks for the verification with the Galaxy Tab A. Uh, yeah. Let me know because that is my tablet as well. So yeah. uh, just let me know and I'll I'll click whatever whatever you need me to click. Okay. We might have to coordinate that because yeah, you'll have to go into like settings and then go to that account and then go to security and then go to <laughs> there's like a little a little button that you can push there. Anyway, we'll we'll figure it out. Okay, I would love to get in. I don't know why I can't. Uh, if you like what you hear, uh, please give us a five star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you can give us a rating on. Uh, we just ask you that if it is anything other than Apple Podcasts, just send us a screenshot of the review because otherwise we won't see it. If you do that on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else, we'll send you a no hugging, no learning sticker free of charge. We are at 27 perfect five-star reviews. I want to get that up to 30 just because I, I want it to be a, a nice, even number. <laughs> um, but with, with that being said, Season 6, Episode 8, The Mom and Pop Store. Original air date, November 17th, 1994. I was one year, 10 months, and 28 days old. And if you count this episode and everything we have left in No Hugging, No Learning, we have 82 episodes before we become a Madman of the People podcast. (laughs) I can't wait. The, the, The first 16 episodes are chronicling all 16 episodes, and then everything after that is going to be us fantasy booking the revival. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Excellent. Man. All right. Well, if you are looking in TV Guide the night of November 17th, you're going to see George buys a convertible. The salesman claims once belonged to John Voight. All right. And we start with a stand-up bit as usual. And this is about how car names are dumb, like no Baron <laughs> has ever owned a LeBaron. And also... They always put LTD on there as if it was a limited edition, which I this this is the only part of the bit I really liked is that is funny. Like, <laughs> oh, it's a limited edition. Yeah, we've uh, we're, we only made we made five million of these things. We're only going to make as much as we can sell. That's how limited it is or something like that. Um, <laughs> and he was like, they always have part of a word that means actually something like Integra. Oh, integrity. No, Integra, Supra, <laughs> Impreza. And then this is where I think it gets a little cheesy. He's like, well, it better not be a Lamona or you'll hear from my lawyer. Ugh. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't even get the Lamona joke until you just said it, honestly. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we so we open at a car lot and George is, has his heart set on the 89 Volvo. He's done his homework and that's what he wants to buy. And the guy asks him if he's interested in a LeBaron. Because the previous owner was, owner was John Voigt. And that piques George's interest. And let me just ask you, where, what's, your, um, what's your frame of reference for John Voigt? Uh, well, uh, the only thing, and you're, you're going to die at this, Tim. He was Mr. Sir oh, no. in the Disney movie I knew it. Holes with Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Oh my gosh, just like uh, Siobhan Fallon, who was also in Holes. She plays um, <laughs> Mrs. Yelnats. Oh my god! <laughs> so that's two Seinfeld actors now that have been in Holes. <laughs> I think we know what our next Christmas special is going to be. Not that Holes has anything to do with Christmas, but I'm willing to bet Aaron, uh, the, the downvoter, is a huge Holes fan. Do you know for a fact that he is? I don't know if he is or not, but I know Grace is. Maybe we can get my <laughs> wife on the show to talk oh about Holes. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> 
it's going to be a great Christmas, you guys. Just we have finally something to look forward to once this all <laughs> once this all goes over. Maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe instead of a Christmas special, we can make it like a a. Uh, uh, we don't have to worry about COVID anymore. Middle of July <laughs> special. Is there a holiday celebrated in holes at all that we could tie in? <laughs> uh, Memorial Day? Oh shit, that's coming up. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, oh damn! You might, it might take you till next Memorial Day to convince Grace to be on with us. So <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, so th- I'm very uh, well. That that is exciting. I knew it was going to be a Disney movie. At least it's not a Disney Channel movie. At least it was a. Uh, <laughs> You know, a theatrically released it, feature. It, it is theatrically released. It wasn't a decom. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so uh, my frame of reference, so I wasn't really... I think the first time I saw John, John Voight actually was Mission Impossible. He's in the first Mission Impossible movie. And also then he became, you know, maybe even more well-known as Angelina Jolie's dad as her star sort of continued to rise and so that is sort of my frame of reference. I have seen Deliverance, and it's really he's really good in it. I mean, it's it's a that's an amazing movie. Um, I, I was going to add on to that. It was like as Angelina Jolie's star continued to rise, and his plummeted pretty yeah, yeah. pretty far in the last couple of well, years, especially. Well, yeah, this is yet another celebrity that has gone far right wing. <laughs> he's like one of the you know one of the ones they like to trot out whenever they need <laughs> whenever they need a celebrity because otherwise don't tell me you know shut up and sing or shut up and act unless you're John Voight or who was the other one that we just had on that I was like oh no he's got a new show dang it it was he was a Seinfeld ah and he has like the truth or something like that with he has like a web show do you remember this at all oh god it was um he was on Seinfeld oh god uh we're not gonna think of it are we no. All right, put it down. Who the hell was that guy? Um, I don't even know how I'm going to search for it, but I'll, I but I, <laughs> I don't will. know far right celebrities. Yeah, yeah. There's only like five, so <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's not Stacey Dash or Ted Nugent. So that's there's three that we're thinking of. <laughs> Here we go. Business Insider: 31 celebrities who support Donald Trump. Well, it's not Tim <laughs> Allen either, so just str- scratch him off the list. <laughs> Roseanne Barr, John Voight, Scott Baio. No. Oh God, Gene Simmons, John Ratzenberger. Oh, that's disappointing. Huh? Probably cut this I'm, out too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We luckily we have a lot to cut out because it's looking put, really long right put now. Paul O'Neill, <laughs> Dean Kane, Kid Rock, Robert Davi, Johnny Damon, Loretta Lynn, Bob Knight. Oh God, Jesse James. That's not surprising. Dana the White. Country singer? Uh, no, Jesse James, like from Monster Garage. Oh. <laughs> uh, Dana White, Mike Tyson. Stephen Baldwin? No. Gary Busey? No. Lou Ferrigno? No. It was someone who was an actor and then... Hulk Hogan? No. (laughs) Tila Tequila? Definitely not. Wayne Newton? No. (laughs) We're learning a lot. I'm learning a lot about celebrities, though. (laughs) That's everyone on this list. We're just going to have to... It's going to be one of those unsolved mysteries. (laughs) I'll just have to go back and look through season five guest stars and see where we did like I don't know. We open in we're in Jerry's apartment now. James now that we're Woods. Done talking about John. No, not James Woods. It was someone who was on Seinfeld already. Okay, like we've seen him, and then I found out that he does this. You know, he does this web show and has this Twitter account, and ah, uh, just a, it was just a character actor on the show that I recognized, and now <laughs> that's what he's up to. But I just don't I just don't remember who it was. Oh. So in Jerry's apartment, uh, Superman is on the fridge and. He's getting off the phone with Tim Watley, who wants Elaine's address, which means she's getting an invite to his super awesome night before Thanksgiving party. He's got an apartment on 77th, right near the park, so you can watch them inflate the balloons for the parade the next day. And Elaine has a crush on 
him and she's always wanted to date a dentist. She's interested interested in dating a dentist. Jerry feels like they'll be constantly judging your brushing style. And George comes in with the new car and Jerry's like, "All right, you got the Volvo." He's like, "No, I decided to go with the LeBaron." And George tries to play off like he didn't buy the car just because the previous owner was John Voigt. Yeah, because Jerry's like, well, what about Consumer Reports? They said Volvo was the car to buy. And I, I, I did like George's line. He's like, what consumer? I'm the consumer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so he tries to, you know, he tries to convince him, like, no, yeah, like, I, did you buy this car just because John Voigt owned it? No, no, no. And Jerry goes, yeah, I think yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Kramer comes in, and the mom and pop shoe repair store is in danger of closing. And he's worried it's going to be turned into a coffee shop or something, and or a cookie shop. <laughs> One of those gourmet <laughs> coffee or cookie stores, yes. Tim, I actually did a little bit of homework on this here. Uh, oh. Do you know when Starbucks first uh, showed up in New York City? I'm going to say 94. April 22nd of 1994. 87th and Broadway was the spot wow. of their first store in New York City. So not only like right like a couple of months ago in this time period, but right in like Jerry's neighborhood. Yeah, huh. that's timely. Very good. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I love that he's, you know, Elaine's like, I like coffee. And George's, uh, George mocks Kramer's tone by saying, I like cookies. Was it, was it uh, he's mocking Elaine's tone or Kramer's tone? Because I, I kind of took it as he was mocking Elaine's tone. Oh, no, because he's, I think he's, Kramer was like, um, a coffee, uh, a gourmet coffee or cookies. Okay. Cookies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. And it's, you know, and then I like that Kramer says like, it's your yuppie life, your yuppie corporate go, go, go lifestyle. That's, that's like driving mom and pop shops out of business. <laughs> he accuses them of being yuppies. To give them some business, you know, Jerry doesn't have any shoes that need cobbling or anything, but he does have sneakers, <laughs> yeah. and they do, Kramer's like, oh, they, they clean them, they do complete detailing, and Jerry's like, all right, take them, and it just is so hilarious because, as we know, like, Jerry Seinfeld wears the whitest white sneakers around, <laughs> and so this is definitely a service that he needs. Oh, for sure. Like, he wears, like, <laughs> dad out in the backyard grilling New Balances. <laughs> like- yeah, like, chunky white sneakers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you catch George's line here? Like he's like, "What's so good about a mom and pop store? If my mom and pop ran a store, I wouldn't shop there." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and also, Kramer calls George Bucombo. What? Yeah. Uh, I totally missed that. <laughs> like B B U C A M B O Bucombo. B U C Bucombo. This is like his um, <laughs> Mocumbo or whatever it was. Uh, you got that right, Mocumbo or whatever from a couple seasons ago that was so confusing maybe it was just another weird nickname i have no idea maybe we might have to look it up we'll see if we can find anything on bucumbo okay what 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 does he say that in reference to why does he call him that i i think it's after george says i wouldn't shop there and kramer says like uh like listen here bucumbo or something or you got it bucumbo i'm like what in the world are you saying kramer So at the shoe repair store, which looks like it's a real city street, but it didn't have a number or any name or anything like that. And it definitely wasn't the shoe repair store that we already saw from the gymnast that Jerry and Katya were parked outside of, which is still there. But I did see that this was next to a sign that said zigzag. Hmm. And so I looked up zigzag (laughs) and uh, like zigzag store, New York City. And it's a jewelry store. And I was like, that 
definitely that window definitely looks like a jewelry store next to the shoe repair store. So um, I'm going to say that I found this shoe repair store, but it's not there anymore. Uh. And here's the really weird thing. It's at 1186A Madison Avenue, uh, East 92nd Street. It's on the Upper East Side. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Not the first time they played fast and, loose with, fast and Loose with Geography of New York City. You know, we've had stuff that they've said is on Columbus Circle, yeah. but it's actually down here or whatever. So <laughs> it's just interesting they use a an exterior that is on the opposite side of the universe from where Jerry would go. I, I was going to say, I please let it like not be there, but let there be a Starbucks there. <laughs> that would be awesome. No, I think it, so the shoe repair, ZigZag is still there, actually. ZigZag Jewelry Designs is still there. But the shoe repair store is now something called Nilly Lotan, which is a high-end women's clothing store. Okay. It supposedly is temporarily closed right now. So thanks, Jerry. You couldn't support, couldn't even support this high-end women's store that just, you know, <laughs> is trying to make, it's only the second location. They started over in um, Brooklyn, I think, and now they're, this is their first Manhattan location, and now they're temporarily closed. Can't believe um, it. But it's one of the, they have a picture of the inside, and it's one of those like super high end stores that has like one rack of clothes and oh, most of okay. it's empty space. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly like, what you mean. Wow. Um <laughs> yeah. So Kramer is dropping the shoes off there at the shoe repair store and they remarked that there's a lot of sneakers and I love that Kramer's like, oh yeah, Jerry's got a real Peter Pan complex. <laughs> yeah, what what does this mean? <laughs> I'm guessing that just like Peter Pan, he'll never grow up. And wear like adult oh. shoes. Like sneakers are not adult shoes. Okay, know? okay. Yeah. I, I honestly had no idea. I'm like, what? A, a Peter Pan complex? <laughs> is he saying that just Jerry can fly? J- Jerry is magic? <laughs> I, I had no idea. Um, <laughs> oh my god. He likes he likes small women like Tinkerbell. Like the gymnast last episode. So there's no more um, <laughs> are, more comparison. Are, are we talking about Jerry or Kramer here? <laughs> yeah. Right. Either one. <laughs> I think I don't know if it's in like the DSM twelve or whatever, but um, I think Peter Pan complex is like a real thing. Is but it? I don't okay. Know. I think. Um, and Kramer starts getting a nosebleed, and he lays down on the couch and sees a bunch of wires sticking out of the ceiling, and he recommends that mom and pop call an electrician because uh, I like that he says, "Yeah, this place could blow at any minute." <laughs> Jeez. And they're like, and mom and pop are like, 48 years. We've been here forty eight years. I've never considered. I don't even know if I've ever noticed that." Um, well, they, they, yeah, they, so, they say we've been here 48 years. Never once have I called an electric, electrician. Really? <laughs> N- not once? You, you haven't had an electrician in there once in 48 <laughs> years? That sounds like that sounds like a big red flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably right. I, I think it turns out to be. <laughs> Over at Mr. Pitts, Elaine is... Her big uh, big project for the day is his assistant is removing the salt from pretzel rods. <laughs> oh god! Piece by piece, uh, <laughs> by hand. Um, she's also listening to jazz radio, and she knows the song that just ends, "Honeysuckle Jump" or something like that. And and that amazes Mr. Pitt. And Elaine says that her dad, who's the very scary Lawrence Tierney, you might remember, her dad had a big uh, a collected big band records and had a big collection of big band records. And the station announces they're giving away a chance to hold. A balloon, hold the rope under Woody Woodpecker in the big Thanksgiving Day parade, um, you know, on Thanksgiving, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. And P- uh, Pitt wants to be uh, wants to win and be under that balloon. And after a 30 second break, they're like, we'll be right back and blah, blah, blah. And Pitt and Elaine talk for a second. And then the DJ's like immediately back. I'm like, what did they They had like they had like one tiny little commercial there. Uh, it's it's got to be a non-commercial station or something, right? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. did, the yeah. did anything play in that break? No, nothing. No, it was like <laughs> silence. Just so Pitt and Elaine could have a little back and forth. <laughs> Imagine being that DJ. Like, 
Okay, right now, someone is having a conversation based on the song, <laughs> and go with the next song. Right now, go. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> or I like that, you know, we have one 30-second commercial you're supposed to play, and you couldn't even play that right. Like, that's what I'm imagining. <laughs> the PD, like, the program director hotlining him immediately. Like, was that 30 seconds of dead air? What was that? <laughs> we, we have very little underwriting here, and the spot that you have to play just did – you're, you're – <laughs> If we had any DJs who would volunteer for this spot, look, you would be out of here look, so fast. Look, there's we actually what? paid you. We would fire you. <laughs> <laughs> but they do give call letters. WFBB. You're listening to WFBB. Oh, which, I, didn't, I didn't catch that. Yeah, which is an actual radio station. It's a low power FM station in the town of Glen St. Mary, Florida. It's owned by a Baptist church. In a town of 437 people. Oh, my Glen God. Mary, Glen St. Mary has a population of 437 people. It's in northern Florida, like right on the uh, Georgia what, what, border there. What market is that in? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know exactly. It might be close enough to like um, something like Savannah or something like that. You know, it's, it's like in the middle of nowhere. I don't think it's a part of a metro or anything. I could be wrong about that. I, I don't know. I, they're probably getting books every month. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're probably, probably, probably pretty up on their ratings. <laughs> and so Elaine recognizes the song as Next Stop Pottersville that plays, and that's what you have to do. By the way, this, these contests went away with Shazam. You know, these, these used to be popular with radio stations a lot. Like, all right, you know, it was, uh, I know one of my favorite bits was Make It Stop, where you'd play, play like a really awesome, awful, not awesome, awful song that nobody remembers. And then the first person to identify it would win something. Well, now it's Shazam. You can't do these contests anymore. <laughs> you know? Uh, but Elaine recognizes. I love Pitt's little dance when she says "Next Stop Pottersville." It's been it's one of my favorite bits. One of my favorite tiny little, just you know, nothing bits in the whole show is when he does this little dance. Next stop Pottersville. Next stop Pottersville. <laughs> I, I just I always really like that. And I guess she wins. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, what the the reason like Mr. Pitt gave that he wanted to hold the Woody Woodpecker balloon so bad was that his dad never let him or his siblings uh, participate in any activities associated with the common man. <laughs> yeah, and the Thanksgiving Day Parade was number one on the list. <laughs> did, did you catch the number that they have to call into the radio station for? 555-something? 555-BAND. Ah, <laughs> good for them for getting that one. <laughs> oh, maybe that's what the BB, that's, it must be WFBB, Big Band. Oh. Fucking Big Band. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to WFBB, fucking Big Band. <laughs> there there you know it, it was it's the wild west down there in the low power fm like 89 <laughs> point whatever you know you can do whatever you want <laughs> it, it, please it's going to be 88.1 that way anybody literally <laughs> driving by the transmitter site can overtake the signal with their ipod tuner yeah <laughs> so outside of a restaurant called Chock Fullo Coffee, which does not sound like anything <laughs> it, I want to be. It, it is not. It is actually a parody on Chock Fullo Nuts Coffee. Right, right, right. So it's one of those signs like Oka Ola or whatever yep, it was at the end of the But yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, or, Chock Fullo Coffee. Or, 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 or No Dello. Yeah. Well, Jerry is doubting the John Voight story. And then George is like, why would he say John Voight? And Jerry's like, don't you get it? That's the genius. It's believable. If he had said Liam Neeson, you'd know he's making it up. And it's just weird that, you know, I forgot for a second. I was like, what a weird name to throw out against John Voight. But then I forgot. And George mentions it in the next scene. It's like, what are you crazy? John Voight played Joe Buck. If you can play Joe Buck, Oscar Schindler is a cakewalk. And I remember that Schindler's list is still 
very fresh in, in people's mm, minds at this point. Okay. So, but it, we just kind of luck out that I would say Liam Neeson, you know, he's had his trials and tribulations in the last year for sure. Uh, <laughs> but um, I'd still say that he's a bigger name than he's still leading movies, whereas John Voight is not. Oh my God. Could you imagine if there's an action movie that gets announced tomorrow starring John Voight? <laughs> Good no, Lord. Oh, no. And so that, you know, that's why it's interesting that they chose Liam Neeson for that reason, too, because that's still kind of a big name, you know. But I would say if you were writing it today, well, I don't know. If you were writing it today, do you think Liam Neeson's name could take the place of John Voight? Like, I got Liam Neeson's LeBaron, you know? Hmm. I, maybe. I don't know. I still, honestly, I, think, I still think Liam Neeson's a too big name for this. Yeah. Honestly, John Voight would still work. I think so. I think It'd so. It'd still be funny. And Jerry steps in some gum. And George says he's not getting in the John Voight's LeBaron with gum on his with gummy shoes, and so Jerry has to go back and change his shoes in the apartment. George is singing the theme from Midnight Cowboy. Everybody's talking, which is a very popular. In fact, I think that's what John Voight plays Joe Buck in is Midnight Cowboy, the only uh, X-rated movie to uh, win Best Picture win, like, or even be nominated for an Oscar. I think. Yeah. Whoa. Back okay. when we had X. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also the movie that gave us I'm Walking Here. Which you might remember, you might know. Oh. Hey, I'm walking in. Oh my god! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm surprised they didn't. That would have been a great quote to trot out. They do so much referencing Midnight Cowboy. And by the way, it's a movie I've never seen before. Um, I just happen to know all the reference. You know, it's like just it's one of those movies that I understand the references from. Do you know anything about it besides I I'm walking here? Literally or? no idea. Literally didn't even know that <laughs> I'm walking here was from that. Uh huh. I think it's about um, two male prostitutes or something. Okay. Dustin Hoffman is one, and John Voight's the other. And that's all I know about it. That's all I know about it. I believe it did win Best Picture. Maybe we'll have to do a Midnight Cowboy. Uh, just, <laughs> just do a little fact-finding mission on that. So Kramer, I was going to say, I don't but, really want to do a bonus episode on Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> I think it got Best Picture. It can't be that bad, right? Even though okay. it's from the 70s. We just talked about that. Well, where, where would we watch it at? Where like Is it available on like Prime or Netflix or something? I doubt it. I don't know. Yeah, good question. It's got to be somewhere. Um, so Kramer, d- Jerry discovers that Kramer took all of his sneakers when he said... That just go ahead and take them. Um, and he's only got a couple of cowboy boots left from a gig in Dallas. They couldn't afford to pay him, so they gave him boots. By the way, I think these boots are friggin' sweet. <laughs> I would love a pair of boots like that. Oh, my gosh. Ever since I had to give away, I like left my cowboy boots in a move. I was like, well, I don't really need They never really fit, and I'm not wearing them. Now I miss them every oh, day. Oh, man. Yeah. But Jerry puts them on, and he's like, "What? look at these. I can't wear these. I look ridiculous. And Kramer's like, you look like a cowboy. And then Jerry gives us a line. I don't want to be a cowboy. <laughs> Harkening back, of course, to the puppy shirt episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out Jerry, I'm sorry, George and Kramer are invited to Tim Watley's party, but Jerry still has not received an invitation. And that's pretty much it for that scene. Did you have something to add? Uh, no, just uh, Jerry uh, calls Elaine to see if like, she can figure out uh, from Tim if Jerry is invited. And yeah. Kramer is actually impressed that George has what he thinks is John Voight's LeBaron because Kramer yeah, yeah. just goes, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And over at the shoe repair place, the electrician's leaving, and it's going to be $4,000 to fix the problems and, and all the things in the ceiling and whatever, and they happen to be violations, so the shoe repair place can't even be open, and the electrician has to report it early. He loses his license, and they're, the mom and pop blame Kramer, who comes in, and decides to report also a crack in the sidewalk outside. You got a crack <laughs> in the sidewalk outside. You got to give that looked at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
in the LeBaron with the top down. George is still singing the song, but I love uh, he changed the lyrics in the in the last scene where he goes, mm, "Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear a word they're saying. Just driving around in John Voight's car." <laughs> <laughs> And so he's still singing that. And Jerry's like, can we put the top up? It's November. And Jerry inspects the glove box. He finds a pencil with John Voight's teeth marks in it, he says. And the owner's manual, which has... He's like, what do you know? This was John Voight's car. But doesn't John Voight spell his name J-O-N? And this says J-O-H-N. And George is like, well, you know, I mean, maybe he spelled it wrong or something like that. Like, oh, yeah, I spell my own name wrong all the time. And Jerry starts cracking up. (laughs) He's like, sometimes I spell it with a G and an I. Yeah, and George like is fed up and kicks him out of the car. While he's getting kicked out of the car, Jerry says, "Look, there's Gregory Peck's bicycle and Barbara Man- Barbara Mandrell's skateboard." <laughs> and I mean, he could have picked two better names for. I mean, Gregory Peck, I know, but Gregory Peck, I looked it up. I was like, was he even alive in '94? He was for another like uh, six or seven years. Okay, uh, after nine, I think he died like in '01 or '02 or something like that. Barbara Mandrell is still alive. She's 71, but definitely was not a timely reference, like, even in 1994, I don't think. I think she's a singer. I didn't even feel like doing that much research on her. I was like, <laughs> Barbara Mandrell, I didn't even recognize the name. So, I don't know. The The jokes didn't really land on me, but maybe in the 90s it was different. I don't know. But Jerry gets out of the car. He's confronted by two street toughs who see his boots and go, hey, cowboy, where's your horse? And Jerry tries to run away, but the boots are so slippery on the bottom that he sort of trips. And why didn't he pull his jeans over his boots? Why is no he wearing idea. the jeans like bunched up what, at the what, top? Why was his first instinct to tuck them into the boots or bunch them up at the top of the boot? I'm like, you can yeah. easily hide most of the boot by putting your jeans over the boot. Yeah, then it would just look like a pointy shoe. Yeah. You know? Still look kind of funny, but still. It, it, would, it would. Yeah, it would just look like a, a fancy, like... Shoe that needs cobbled, probably. Yeah, yeah. You might as well wear one with shorts. <laughs> Let me just put some shorts on with these cowboy boots. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, in the Jerry's apartment, Superman's on the bookshelf, and George is apologizing. Still trying to rationalize, though, the John Voight's car, and trying to figure out a way to find out. And he's like, wait a minute. I've got the whole Yankee organization at my disposal. And I love Jerry's little aside here like you'll definitely dispose of it <laughs> <laughs> and george is just like that's right <laughs> uh, elaine uh, as asked tim wadley if you know if jerry should bring anything and then she says that tim said why should jerry bring anything and jerry's like wait a minute what what did he emphasize why would jerry bring anything or why would jerry bring anything and well, elaine says well no it was I mean, uh, it, it jerry wanted to know if the emphasis was on jerry or bring why, oh, Jerry, what, bring, why would what, Jerry bring anything? What, yeah, why would Jerry bring anything? Or why would Jerry bring anything? But yeah, yeah. Elaine, what does Elaine say? Elaine says, I think his emphasis was on would. Why would Jerry bring anything? So to me, that means he's not invited. Yeah, I, 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 think, that way. I think, but it's definitely just nothing that Jerry was expecting to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's still pretty ambiguous, at least in Jerry's mind. <laughs> Kramer comes in and mom and pop have vanished. The store is empty. He went down there to get the sneakers and everything's gone. And I love this line. They conned us and they scored big time. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, oh, and by the way, they're not even a mom and pop. I was asking around. They don't even have any kids is what Kramer says. They're not even a mom and pop. And Elaine's like, so wait, you think they set up shop 48 years ago (laughs) to gain everybody's trust just to steal Jerry Seinfeld sneakers? And and Jerry goes, apparently. (laughs) Uh, Over at Yankee Stadium... 
George has called a meeting to plug more special promotional days at the stadium, <laughs> like John Voigt Day. <laughs> and and the, the first suggestion he has is Joe Pepitone Day. Joe Pepitone Day. <laughs> <laughs> but God, I, I love the line from, I'm, I'm just guessing it's his boss, who just says, I make a motion that we have no more of these meetings that have been in, initiated by George Costanza. Yeah, yeah. It's the same guy at head of table from the uh, the candy bar episode. When yes, he, yes. When he's eating with the candy bar. <laughs> Here we are at the... Uh, Elaine has to go to the Dixieland Deli, which, by the way, is not real. But uh-huh. I guess is apparently in the Empire State Building. And she is sitting with a bunch of jazz nerds, all these people who won this contest. And they're going to be giving up... She has to pick up the pass to go hold the balloon rope. And she's sitting right next to this band that strikes up. Yeah. And they, they're not handing out the passes until after the band is done. Me- meanwhile, like, everyone at the table is, just, like, trying to flex on, like, what song they guessed correctly. And, the, like, the, the first guy who talks, he's like, well, I I correctly guessed this song. What did you guess? Talking to Elaine. And Elaine was like, uh, next stop, Pottersville. And everyone at the table is like, oh, everyone knows that <laughs> one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They're, they're flexing their jazz nerd muscles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, like, when the band starts playing, literally everyone at the table is dancing like they're in a Charlie Brown cartoon. <laughs> like, it's si- still, like, in their seat, but just kind of, like, j- just dancing, like, from the waist up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're into it, but Elaine is is not. Because <laughs> she's, like, getting blasted in the back of a head by a clarinet. Kramer is walking down the street. He starts getting another nosebleed right as... The John Voigt walks out of a restaurant, gets into a cab, and Kramer starts, he like puts basically his whole head, the whole top of his body into the cab window and starts to ask him if he ever owned a LeBaron. <laughs> but before he can get any words out, John Voigt grabs his arm and bites him. <laughs> and it's pretty crazy. They actually got John, John Voigt for this episode. Yeah, this was, this was a really good cameo. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, lie. Yeah. He didn't even have to say anything. No, he said taxi. Wow. That was it. One line. He he may have said, like, get get out of here or something, like, just in the tussle, but he he had probably one scripted line. That's crazy. And in, well, I wonder if that's why, I wonder what came first, writing the script with the name John Voight or seeing what actor they could get and then putting, (laughs) plugging his name in, you know? I don't know. Oh, my God. In Jerry's apartment, Jerry's jaw still hurts because while he was running from the street tufts, he tripped and fell, and he might have chipped a tooth. He's trying to go to a dentist, but nobody's working on the day before Thanksgiving. And um, someone suggests he just goes to the party because there's going to be a ton of dentists there. I think Kramer does. Um, you know, Tim Watley's a dentist. So there's going to be a lot of dentists there. And no one will go with him. George won't go, and Kramer won't go because they both don't want to be seen with someone who may not – bring someone who may not have been invited. A party crasher, as Kramer says. Yeah. And- uh, Kramer comes in, and he comes up with a plan to compare – so he tells him a story about John Voight and says, if you still have that pencil with the teeth marks, we can compare it to these teeth marks and see if you actually have John Voight's LeBaron. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, George is uh, trying to defend like not going with Jerry or not taking Jerry with him. And George says, how am I going to feel if I show up with some uninvited, unwelcome intruder? And Jerry just comes back with, the way I feel when I go places with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So at the party... George and Kramer checking out the balloons. Jerry is sneaking in. I love he's sneaking in and just going, Dennis? Dennis? You Dennis? You Dennis? Are you Dennis? Like tapping people, elbowing them like, Dennis? Dennis? (laughs) 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 Elaine comes in and she is 
shouting because she can't hear. Her ears are still ringing from having to sit next to that band all afternoon. And she's holding something with the Empire State Building on top of it. Is it a radio? It kind of looks like a radio to me. I I don't know what it's supposed to be. Is this the security pass that she was picking up for Mr. Pitt? (laughs) Is is this the prize? I get yeah, I mean that's it's definitely part of the prize. But it seems weird that you'd have to carry lug that big like trophy looking oh thing around. Oh my god. Like I would say like okay, no thanks, just give me the security pass. <laughs> yeah. I, I live in New York. I don't drive. What am I going to do? Carry this thing? Yep. And uh, Tim Watley is there as well, aka Brian Cranston. Yes. Crazy. A very uh, early role. I mean, you can't even call this a cameo, I don't think. He was just an actor looking for work. You know? Yeah, yeah. this is pre-Malcolm. <laughs> yeah. Tim Watley is greeting everybody, and he sees Jerry. You know, he talks to uh, George and Kramer and then notices the back of Jerry's head. He's like, uh, you know, is that Jerry Seinfeld? And they're both like, oh, he didn't come with us. And he <laughs> says to Jerry, I didn't think you'd show. Jerry's like, oh, wait, did you say I didn't think you'd show or I didn't think you'd show or something <laughs> like that just to see what uh, what the emphasis was. Meanwhile, Tim Watley goes up to Elaine, who's standing by the snack table, and she can't hear. So he's like, oh, I'm glad you came. And Elaine just sort of like nods and goes, oh, yeah. And then he's holding a, a bowl of peanuts while he's asking her out. <laughs> and he like sort of does motion like, the the bowl of peanuts towards her and says like oh you know would you want to go out sometime and she goes oh no yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and then Tim Watley he storms off in a huff he's like well thanks yeah and and Elaine just kind of looks he's like what what just happened <laughs> yeah and then Kramer and George find somebody who can compare the teeth marks but Tim Watley grabbed the pencil to write something down for for somebody and he has it in his mouth so they run over and grab it and they're like that's john Voigt's pencil he's like you have john Voigt's pencil like, yeah i got his whole car downstairs and tim wally's like um oh you uh, bought his lebaron he's like wait you know he's like yeah i know john Voigt. we went to dental school together <laughs> and then george is like john Voigt, the actor he's like no john Voigt, the periodontist <laughs> so i guess that all answers that question jerry finally finds a dentist who will look at his potentially chipped tooth and puts his, that's where Elaine has set her statue, uh, not Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building, trophy, radio, whatever it is. And it, Jerry bumps his head on it. It falls out the window and pops Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> and Tim Watley says, who invited you anyway? You're a troublemaker, <laughs> which is what Kramer called Woody Woodpecker earlier. So Jerry gives the ha 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 <laughs> Woody Woodpecker laugh, <laughs> which is the most hilarious way you try to get out of anything, any bad situation. Like I'm going to like next time I get in a situation where everyone's mad at me, I'm just going to do that. <laughs> ne- ne- next, next time your GM or PD says like, why did you do this? Just like go up to their office and just go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and just like then saunter out of the room back in jerry's apartment jerry and kramer are watching the parade and woody woodpecker is deflating at this point i loved by the way that when woody woodpecker is deflating even though they're in this apartment at the very top of you know this building whatever looking down on the mm-hmm. balloons the air from the balloon is still like making its way into the apartment did you see everything blowing like, yeah, the curtains yeah. and everything yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a, a little hilarious, like very slapsticky detail. <laughs> and, and then, like, um, they're showing it go down, and they show Mr. Pitt on camera just like fighting it up. Yeah, yeah, trying to hold it up. Um, the a guy calls 
And this guy also is very famous. I forget this guy's name, but I think he played Arvid in a sitcom called Head of the Class. Do you remember? Do you know anything about that show? Mm, no, I don't. The guy from think. WKRP, um, I forget his name now. Howard Hessman okay. was in that, and he played. Oh, and then Billy Connolly took over later. But um, yeah, he, he like had this group of like really smart misfits that he had to teach. And this guy was one of them. He played a guy named Arvid, I think. I'm going to have to look up this guy because I know he's a big, famous, uh, famous-ish famous character actor. Well, anyway, he bought a pair of sneakers that the, this, from this mom and pop at a garage sale. And they said they belonged to Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian. So he decided, I don't know why he has his number now. Yeah. Um, like, how <laughs> th- is Jerry in the phone book? Yeah, like, is he listed? Th- th- I guess that, so. se- that seems like something that Jerry would purposely not want. Yeah, it wouldn't want anybody. He doesn't like his friends to contact no. him. No. Why, why would he want strangers potentially contacting <laughs> him? It's not like he's going to be Jay Seinfeld in, in, the, yeah. in, in the phone book. I wonder if mom, do you think mom and pop had his number? Like, did Kramer give it to him for the sneakers and then they gave it to this guy who wanted it for some reason? Or? I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. But anyway, Jerry says that he's, you know, tracked down mom and pop in Persephone, New Jersey and his car's in the shop, so how are we going to get there? Uh, the next shot is of a bus to Persephone, New Jersey. Jerry and Kramer are on it. Jerry's nose starts bleeding again. Kramer's this nose. Bus scene, Kramer's nose, sorry. Yeah, Kramer's nose starts bleeding again. Th- th- this bus scene uh, echoes the end of Midnight Cowboy in some oh, way. Oh, okay. Yeah. I-, I was wondering, so, like, what-, what is this supposed to be? Because it's a very weird way to end the, s- end the episode. Yeah, because Jerry's like, we, we got to get, you know, we got to take you to the hospital. And Kramer's like, I ain't going to no Bellevue, man. And then, like, Jerry puts his arms around him and tries to hug him. But that's when kind of the scene breaks when, you know, it becomes like uh, a parody, like more of a joke than a parody because Kramer, like, shakes him off. Like, what are you doing? Why are you hugging me? And Jerry's like, oh, I, I don't know. Uh, I, <laughs> he, like, kind of shakes himself <laughs> out of it. And so, yeah, again, I've never seen the movie, but the, the song everybody's talking is playing during this scene. And so I, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to echo the end of that movie. Um, and we get one more stand-up bit, uh, kind of about parades, how a marching band takes something that's bad and makes it difficult, and how waving at people going by is such a innate human reaction to everything, cruise ships and um, that amusement park train and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Like, I've never seen these people before, and there they go. Yeah. And I'll never see them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Uh, did we have any homework? Uh, we had a few yeah. things. Let me... I'll look up the guy that uh, the, the guy who made the phone call to Jerry. I know he's been in a ton of stuff. Okay. I'm willing to bet he even has some Disney credits. Oh, probably. This seems like a guy that would have some Disney credits. Oh, probably. He did look very familiar. I, I couldn't couldn't put a name to the face, though. Uh, I want to mm-hmm. look up why Kramer calls George Bacombo. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and I know we had some other, um, maybe some Midnight Cowboy information. All right. There might have been one or two more things, but um, yeah, know, we'll figure it out later. All right. Uh, did we want to come up with a better description? Let's see. So we had George buys a convertible the salesman claims once belonged to John Voigt. Yeah, it definitely happens. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. Like right away. Yeah. It doesn't give anything away. No. I mean, it, and it doesn't really tell you what the episode, that, but that, that, no, I like it. Let's yeah, let's okay. keep it. Yeah, I, I we like don't it need too. anybody else's info. No, no. Yeah, everything sort of <laughs> does revolve around that. Even the party. All right. Uh, well, next week we have got uh, season six, episode nine. Nice. Uh, titled "The Secretary." <laughs> original air date December eighth, nineteen ninety four. Uh, and if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see George hires an unattractive secretary. Huh. 
I have no idea. This is not ringing a bell. I, I like the I like the synopsis already, but we'll see if it holds up next week. So is that it? I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.